0: Good evening, and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So, if you're ready, are you ready? Let's
1: get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome, welcome inside in. the Locked On NFL Draft <laughs> podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Solak. With me is Trevor Sikkema. I've been waiting. Eleven months to do this. How are you, Trev?
0: Oh man,
1: I had a hunch. You know what? I'm so pissed because I have said nothing about this for months, and I've been sitting <laughs> and I've been waiting. And every single week, at dinner table Monday night, I'm like, "Mayor, Bucks won again. Bucks are going to make the playoffs." She's like, "Yeah, they, this is great." And I'm like, "I'm going to take Trevor's intro if make the Super Bowl." And she's like, "Yeah, I know. You told me a hundred times, but I don't tell anybody." <laughs> and then freaking one. Listener of the podcast, all these cases who listen to us all the time knows somehow <laughs> what I'm trying to do to yesterday after the Bucks win. And he responds to a tweet with me and you in it, and is like, Oh, you're probably gonna take Trevor's intro now. And then like all the listeners saw it and they were like, Oh, yeah, you may probably take Trevor's <laughs> intro now. <laughs> Shut up, guys! <laughs> DM me! What you blowing up the spot
0: for? Well, look, if it, if it makes you feel any better. There was no less of a surprise, and it's uh, it's it's no less of an impact
1: of a well-used intro. For those who don't know, who haven't listened to, uh, to the podcast over the last year, uh, new friends of the show, in March, Trevor and I will tend to leave February into March. Trevor and I make uh, pretty significant combine bets where we take uh, three or four of the major testing events, 40-yard dash, broad jump, three cone. We take each position, and we try to predict the best and the worst performers. Whoever gets the most right or at least gets, you know, a guy who's closer to the best, closer to the worst, gets a point. And at the end, of those are tallied up, and that's our competition. I won last year, and my stakes were that if I won, I would get to intro one podcast of my choosing without warning. And... At that time, Brady had not yet signed with the Bucs. Once that happened, I thought to myself, okay, Bucs are clearly trying to make a Super Bowl. We'll see what they can do next year. And hopefully, you know, if they go deep into the playoffs, like AFC, NFC Championship game, sure, that'd be great. uh, I'll use that opportunity to intro the podcast and to make Trev answer questions about how he felt about a Bucs playoff loss. (laughs) Instead... The Bucs decided to win the Super Bowl. I like this better. Yes. And and it's nice because if they had lost, I would have introed it and I would have been like kind of mean, but also kind of nice because that sucks. With them winning, I can just take it. And then it's like, oh, man, I didn't get to, you know, I didn't get to intro the podcast of when the Bucs won. But it's still this <laughs> fun and it's cute. Uh so, yeah, no, this feels great. I'll be honest with you. My heart was thumping the whole time beforehand. <laughs> we, I was just sitting here in silence. Like, all right, all right, don't forget you the words. Forget the words. Nice. You played NFL it off very nice. You played it off very
0: calm and cool, like, right before we hit record. I really did, I really could yep. not tell anything before we hit record.
1: <sighs> all right. Yeah, no, it felt good, it man. It good. felt great. I feel like a victor. I feel like I'm, I'm hoisting a Lombardi trophy. In my own little way, uh, I feel like I've participated in the box win. But in all seriousness, in that I, I intro the podcast, I'm now the host ish. signed yes. yeah. up for this episode, yeah. Trevor. The Buccaneers won the Super Bowl last night, man. What was that like for you? Well, Ben, everything is
0: delicious. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> no, I. So you know, thirty-one to nine. I, I, I I've been asked this question a million times since last night. Like, oh, how did it feel? I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't even feel real. Like they dominated that game front to back. Chiefs just score a single touchdown. Not a single one. Now there are a lot of things that go into that, and that's what Ben and I are going to recap on this show. But it felt like I wasn't. It wasn't even real what I was watching, and that's kind of the way that this season's been. Just because it's been such a different season with no fans in the stands and everything that the league was going through, and how different it felt, and and it's just. I don't know. I, it's it's the weirdest feeling. It's so weird because Tampa has never been good at at they're they're just they never win. Tampa sports never win. That's just ne- it just doesn't happen. And then in a full calendar year, the Lightning win the Stanley Cup, the Rays go to the World Series, the Bucks win the Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know how it feels. It doesn't. Tampa feel, Bay, baby. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel real. And it's really cool because and I, I said this on Twitter last night. This is really cool for me as someone who covered the team full-time for three seasons because I got to know so many awesome reporters and people who work for and around the team who have never really had the eyes or attention or credit to cover a winner or work for a winner or anything like that and to see those people as well as some really really awesome fans who I know in the community really well to see them be happy is way better than of course like any kind of team or sports celebration like it's that that's the stuff that's so cool to me that's what I'll remember forever about this Super Bowl and so that is the feeling that I have the most if you ask me how do I feel that's the feeling it's joy for a lot of great people who are happy today because their sports team in their city uh won and so it was a it was it was a crazy night I didn't think the game was going to be like that and, and we could kind of get into the breakdowns of, of how that came to pass because Tampa
1: dominated Tampa dominated that game right the Bucks dominated the game I agree I also think the Chiefs did in terms of a a game planning decision making whatever approach that which we want teams to do when they're losing which is to say there's no valor in losing by you know 12 instead of 22 right like they the Chiefs had like Three consecutive drives get inside the the thirty, and they came away with zero points because they just weren't like there was no like I oh, would just kick field goals you know whatever da 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 right like they uh they were Mahomes was enduring constant pressure and it was like oh maybe if we you know run some draws like this will will be able to take the, the teeth off the pressure they were down and so it was just okay Mahomes. Either go make the greatest comeback against the most ridiculous odds of all time, or we're just going to lose this game by 30. And like, who cares if it's by 30? Or maybe we could keep it closer. We could eat some clock. We could make the time of possession and lose instead by like nine. You know, they 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 didn't weren't interested in making the box score like seemingly reflect a closer game or anything like that. They just I you know Mahomes is is under duress. We're still going to drop back. We're going to put five in the concept and we're gonna ask him to run around like an idiot and make a play 30 yards down the field and it like kind of worked a lot you know what I mean the the, the Chiefs were a, lot, a, lot a more drop than they should have because yeah you had the, Mahomes. exactly that's that's the thing is like you, you would never see another team respond to the amount of pressure that their quarterback was under the way the Chiefs responded to the amount of pressure Mahomes was under because Mahomes has historically just been a entirely immune to pressure mm-hmm. and you still saw him make truly inhuman throws truly inexplicable throws when horizontal when wrapped up on on the end, on the sideline you know what i mean just when when running forward running backwards getting hit like his accuracy was nuts and the Chiefs were a drop or two away from either, A, having a, a bigger lead early that would have allowed them to maybe lean on the running game a little bit more, that would have allowed them to, to, to play a little bit more cautious of a game, you know, more quick game, not as oriented on explosive passes. They get the tri- the Tyreek Hill drop, which could have been a touchdown. They get the Travis Kelsey drop on third down after the goal line stop Those are pretty critical first-half plays. Package those in with just offensive clock mismanagement at the end of the first half from Andy Reid, who, like, buddy, man, like, Andy... This is the only thing left. How have you not figured this out? You all of a sudden dig yourself a 15-point hole going into halftime, and then you have to come out in the second half, and it's just you're throwing everything at the wall. You're trying to get these deep patterns, you're trying to get these explosive gains, you're trying to put it all in Mahomes' hands, and the simply the the talent disparity between the Bucks O-line and the the Bucks defensive line and the Chiefs O line was too much. So I agree with you. It was domination by the Bucs. I think the Chiefs, in a way, like, not let themselves be dominated, but, you know, the Bucs... Like, every time the, sure. the Chiefs dropped back with five in, in protection, the Bucs were, like, sick, because this is ideal. And the Mahomes was also like, well, I mean, like, yeah, but, like, you know, if I've got five players in the concept and it's, you know, the Chiefs' weapons, I still have a chance to, to break this thing open. They never got it, but they were close a couple times, when you, so... When
0: you look at this box score, it makes you think that the chiefs like weren't as good as tampa bay. like tampa bay was just like clearly the better team and that they just they won the game and it was easy for them but that's not the case. there were so many missed opportunities in so many different categories that you laid out there for the chiefs. the dropped passes, the penalties, the mismanagement of the clock, the the poor offensive line not being able to handle what the buccaneers were doing and those things that not only happened but i think also happened at really bad times throughout the game high leverage sure. really played into the Bucks' game scripts both on offense and defense because I I could not have been more impressed with the job that both Byron Lefwich and Todd Bowles did for the Buccaneers that game it worked out to where what they were doing was to a T, like they didn't not that they didn't have to adjust because I mean, there are in-game adjustments that happen all the time. But the game plan and how they wanted things to go, they were able to do that. Like, and they were able to execute it, I think, throughout the entire contest. And that's why their lead maintained and, and grew as as things went on. And you know, for Byron Lefwich to come out and for as much as Bucks fans had complained about the first down runs throughout the entire season... He comes out, very first play of the game, what does he do? He does play action. And, you know, it's, right. it's like Bucks fans have been begging for this. They've been begging for more play action, more deception, to just have more motion in what you're doing because the Bucks can't do it. They have the weapons to be able to do that at a pace that puts them as one of the best teams in the league. We've seen that success all over, but we didn't see it in Tampa Bay just because they didn't want to run it. Here in the Super Bowl, they did. Not only did they do that, not only did they implement play action, but they also got the exact running back rotation that they wanted. They did not force pushing the ball down the field as much as they had the rest of the season. They totally right. caught the chance. They scored a touchdown on an RPO. I know. I didn't even know that was legal. beautiful. Beautiful RPO. That's the first time we've seen this in Tampa in years. Right, and so it's like... It truly was, and I, I, I'm not sitting here <laughs> saying that you know, I'm trying to like take credit or Twitter's taking credit for the game plan that we saw last night, but these are some of the things where Bucks fans have been like, why aren't you doing this more? You're, you're You clearly have success with it to where it was frustrating early on in the season. But as the Bucs have continued their winning streak throughout the playoffs and then leading up to the Super Bowl, they did these things more and more and more until they came up with what was a really perfect game plan to go against what they had put on tape all year. And, uh, you know, whether it was luck in that regard or not, they caught the Chiefs by surprise. They weren't able to handle the weapons in which Tampa was deploying them. And then, of course, on the defensive side of the ball as well, Bowls. Yeah, the offensive line with Kansas City was beat up. I, I mean, like, there's, w- w- you, you, you can't get around that. I would have loved to see this game had the Chiefs had their full, healthy guys along the offensive line. But for what Bulls was doing, playing two deep in coverage, playing three deep in coverage, running all of these different end to tackle, tackle to end, full line stunts, games, and twists, where he was getting the pressure to come at Mahomes using only four guys. You know, you know mm-hmm. Bowles is known for a guy who loves to blitz, right? And he loves to blitz creatively. And we praise him for the extra pressure that he brings and how he brings it as it attacks the pocket. He knew that pressure does not affect Patrick Mahomes the way that it does for other quarterbacks. He knew that. And he found out how it failed the last time they played the Chiefs. And so how he adjusted is he rushed with four a lot, He just got creative in how he rushed with four. And he took on this this backup, reserve, beat-up, banged-up Chiefs offensive line and said, I'm going to make you have perfect chemistry with playing guys off and passing rushers off to the next guy and knowing when a person's coming around the edge. And the Chiefs were not ready for it in any way, shape, or form. And, And it was... Truly on both sides of the ball. The game plans for the Buccaneers were fantastic. And as the game went on, it just continued to play in their game script even more because as their league grew and Kansas City knew they needed to push the ball down the field, the Bucs were already ready for it. They were already playing the two deep. They were already playing quarters. They were already playing sometimes three safeties on the back end. And so Mahomes just at that point couldn't do anything. They basically went into that game and said, we will give you the things underneath. We will also allow you to run the ball because we saw Mahomes be able to scramble for a lot of first downs. And and Todd Bowles was like, I don't care. You can do that all game long. I don't care because our, our offense is going to score more points than yours, than yours is if that's what you're doing. If that's how you're beating us, if that's how you're marching mm-hmm. down the field, we're going to score more points than you. And that's the way the Bucs went into it. And I think it worked out even better than they thought it was going to work out because the score reflected that.
1: Yeah, you. my favorite Todd Bowles stat is that Bowles in his career – the three lowest blitz rate games he's ever called have all come against Andy Reid offenses, and the lowest two of those three have been the two games against the Chiefs this year. Wow. This Super Bowl is the lowest of his career in terms of the amount of time he sent an extra rusher. So, if there's if if you want to talk about coordinator for whom I have respect, opponent for whom you know I have to change what I do. And like, and it's Andy gave a quote at the end of the game, where he was like, "Yo, shout out to Todd. Todd got us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's because you got to remember Todd and, and Andy used to work together. It's very clear that that Todd and and uh, Todd Bowles and Andy Reid are like two you know kind of titans on opposite sides of industry here who like respect themselves, respect one another a little bit, also probably hate each other a little bit. And it's like they're they're pushing the edges of innovation for both the way they approach the game. People wanted the Chiefs to play more extra men in protection to assist their offensive line. The the Chiefs had uh, five-man protection on 93% of their dropbacks per next-gen stats. It was one of the highest numbers uh, in recent years. It's worth noting that chips from tight ends and running backs, chip help on edge rushers, don't count as an extra man of protection because you chip and then you release into the concept. Uh, so they were chipping, they were using uh, uh condensed sets to get angles on, on edges and, and bring running backs up to take take chips and defensive tackles, but five man protection majority of the time. That had to be the way because when you when you're rushing four, you're dropping seven. That's how the math works. And if you're if you're gonna put three guys into the concept against a seven man drop against a, a secondary as talented as the Bucks, you're not gonna open anybody up. If you're going to even send four into the concept against seven, it's going to be tough. You wanted to get as many players into the concept as possible because you need to be able to stress those numbers. A sixth guy doesn't really help you in pass protection against four. Like You can shut down one of the edges, maybe get a tight end and you double team on on Pierre-Paul. With the way that your offensive line is playing, Shaq Barrett and Vita Vare are still going to be in the backfield. That that additional guy didn't help you too much. He was going to be more useful to you in the concept. There's an argument to be made that Mahomes needed to be more willing uh, more active more expedient taking check release routes yeah and check release routes chip to release right so the tight end uh, you know they, they're using Mikko Harman at one point that's how deep into the bag they got on protections Miko Harman you know uh, helps chip on, on the edge and then he flares out into in, into the flat we we saw a couple of those, you know, throws to Tyreek Hill, five yards behind the line of scrimmage, throw to Mikael Hardman, four yards behind the line of scrimmage, those check release throws. But usually it was after Mahomes had exhausted all options. And when you're talking about zone defense, you're able to play as a secondary player top down. So you've got, okay, there's a route developing in front of me, eight yards behind, uh, eight yards beyond the line of scrimmage let me relate to this, let me take this away, knowing that it will then then encourage the check down throw and then I can go forward, rally, and tackle. With the Bucs' team speed, if you don't get the ball to that check down guy quickly, they're all going to get on their horses, they're going to get there, and it's going to be uphill sledding for your weapons. So you can argue Mahomes should have been quicker getting the ball to his check releases. I think that's a legitimate argument. I think that when... You sit down with Mahomes in the film room. He's a young quarterback who's still learning you know, the the, the final edges of quarterback play. That's one of the things you, you'll point out to him. You'll also probably point out that he was taking like 95-step drops, and you should probably not be doing this, but that's what he's always done for his entire life, and I'm not sure it's going to change. Mm-hmm. So that dichotomy, that dynamic of, of rush four, how am I, do I keep in protection, how do I stretch coverages, dropping seven, that's where this game was decided. The, the Chiefs like again they were crossing midfield they were getting shots into the end zone we've right. never seen this team just fail to convert scoring wise like they did here i think that from an x's and o's perspective the chiefs gave their best response to Bowles bringing out the best uh game plan to beat mahomes the best game plan for the for the uh for the the, the day and then it was a matter of which jimmy's going to beat which joe it always comes down to talent the bucks talent disparity in the defensive line was so massive that the chiefs really needed an elite day not only from Mahomes but from receivers travis kelsey tyreek hill and the rest of that depth chart in order to make up for the immediate pressure they didn't get it from tyreek who struggled uh they didn't get it from kelsey who had like 10 catches for 130 yards and still struggled you know what i mean like levanta played one of the best games of his storied career against Travis Kelsey in coverage. Really impressive stuff from the to David. So they didn't get those, those wins from those elite players, and then obviously they don't have great pass catcher depth as well. So you don't win those one-on-one matchups, and all of a sudden it's Mahomes trying to make everything for himself. If anything, they could have run the ball more. They were successful running the ball. The Bucks were okay giving them that. Mm-hmm. But that's where, again, we say when you go down by 15, you start to lose that ability to run the football. And that's why that end of half score was so important.
0: And I think that even as the game was going on, this was the number one rush defense in the NFL. And there was a point, oh, I can't remember exactly when it was in the game, but I, I remember the Chiefs hit a big play up the middle. I think it was a Travis Kelsey catch up the middle to bring them like close to the red zone or right near the red zone. This was in the second half, I believe. And the Chiefs like hurried up to then do a quick shotgun handoff to the running back up the middle because normally, okay, big gash play all right, defense is kind of out of sorts. They're trying to get a line. They're probably not going to have good push in the defensive line. You just hand it off. You get a couple – you get, like, five free yards. Like, that's just – that's how it goes. You're getting four or five free, free yards. All of a sudden, it's, it's like, second and five, second and four, something like that. It becomes very manageable. I remember on that play, they handed it to Clyde Edwards-Elair, and this is something that should work, and Devin White just stoned the crap out of him before he even got to the line of scrimmage. And that's, like, an X-factor part of what the Bucs do on defense that is – it goes down in the play. is like, okay, there's one tackle, and it's, it, it's one down, and yeah, now you're putting them in second and long, and that's great, but that kind of impact you have on an offense's rhythm is something that I think the Bucks do really, really well, and so I, I agree that maybe they should have had a little bit more of a ground attack there, but Tampa would have been ready for it. Like, Tampa would have clamped down on it, and so it was just a, they, I just, to a T, Tampa was playing so well on defense, and they have been the last couple of games. The Bucks mm-hmm. have played the last 3 games. Last 3 games the Bucks have played. New Orleans Saints, Green Bay Packers, Kansas City Chiefs. Okay? Never heard of them. 33% red zone percentage. 33%. They only give up a TD against those 3 teams against Breeze, against Rodgers, against Mahomes 33% of the time. It's nuts. That's just that's unbelievable work mm-hmm. where it matters most. Getting teams to Either take three instead of seven, or as we saw last night in the Super Bowl, the game script said we got to just go for it anyways. Where you're giving them an extra down, you're giving these guys extra downs to make it happen, and it can't happen. So, I uh,
1: I wonder, force. like, yeah, I, I I wonder in terms of that specific red zone things. I didn't focus directly on red zone defense for the Bucks coming into this game nor during this game. I wonder how much of that is Carl Davis and Jamel Dean just murdering dudes the line of scrimmage, man. The Bucs getting Carlton Davis on the line of scrimmage took him from being, like, Carl Davis is playing well this season to Carlton Davis is beating everybody this season. You know what I mean? Like, okay, Devonta got him on a slant. That's what Devonta does. Like, Davis, dude, he's so... I mean this this is
0: this whole mold though. You drafted him to be a press corner, let him be physical. Right. You exactly. drafted him for this exact reason and they finally were you know able to allow him to do it this year and we've seen we've seen him become a really really good young corner in this league and man that whole secondary's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. NFL might I, uh, be done. Uh, wait, I got to oh, I got to get to this ad and we got to get to a commercial nope. but we're going to come back have- on the other side of the break. <laughs> Nope, I know you're, I know you're hosting. I know you're, you're hosting this, this episode of the podcast, but I still got to read the ads. Um, NFL might be done. NBA is in full swing. NHL is in full swing. We're going to get baseball in about a month's time here. Folks, if you ever have a situation where you're looking at a matchup and you go, oh my goodness, this is easy money, easy money. This team's going to win it. You want to put some money online, get some money back. There's only one place that has you covered. One place that we trust here on this podcast, that's betonline.ag. If you sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag, use the promo code locked on, all caps, one word locked on. You're going to get 50% back on a welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to get that 50% back welcome bonus with your first deposit. We're covering everything you need to know. About the NFL Draft, well, of course, some Super Bowl talk today, but what about the rest of sports? Not just football. Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports that you could ever need every morning in just under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Ben, was there a topic that you wanted to get to before we moved on to any kind of outlook I was going to give a kind of like a future look towards like, hey, what are right. the Chiefs doing next year or this free agency? Do the same thing with the Bucks.
1: Yeah, no, I was going to talk about uh, Chiefs walking out of this game. What are your team needs, right? Um, like, perfect. what are you? I think t- offensive line. You know, okay? The offensive line is terrible. Usually, is when you're missing Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz and Laurent Dubreuil Tardif. Like, it's that's but that was bad. Uh, you need to think about extensions for those guys you need to think about a backup for Mitchell Schwartz that's been true for a while I think that this uh, to me this season didn't tell me or this game excuse me didn't tell me anything I didn't already know about the Chiefs offensive line which is it could stand for some improvement to me the the position that I look at in this game and say to myself Jiminy Christmas how do I not have talent here as a linebacker it couldn't get Willie Gay on the field this year. Liked Willie Gay's film Mississippi State. Thought that he'd be able to at least play in, in his first year. Thought that he was definitely a little bit more of a project player, but I thought he could contribute. They couldn't get him on the field. Damian Wilson had a good game. He's a free agent in 2021. Beyond him, you have Anthony Hitchens, who you're trying to pay $23 million combined over the next two seasons. No need for that. That's ludicrous. Uh, but you can't cut him in this upcoming year, so he's still going to be on the roster. Then you got uh, Ben Neiman, Dorian O'Daniel. It's all depth players. They could not fit duo. <laughs> Couldn't do it. I mean, the The Bucks' primary run is the is the duo style run, which yep. has been talked about a lot on Twitter over the last couple of years. Talked about a lot in relation to this Bucks offense. For those who are unfamiliar, it is commonly called power without a puller because at the first level you have multiple double teams. You're double teaming uh, to the play side tackle and to the play side defensive end. Oftentimes, in zone blocking schemes, you would initially have those double teams, and then you would have the second offensive lineman come off of that block and climb up to the second level to go seal off the linebackers. However, you do not do that on double. So you on duo, excuse me, it's also called double sometimes. So on duo, you have those double teams, and then the the blockers remain in place, leaving the linebackers unblocked. And it is the running back's responsibility to manipulate the linebackers, show color in one hole, Bounce to another hole. Work to pl- work work to play side read and make the linebackers wrong so as to find space in the second, and subsequently the third level. You need good linebacker play to fit duo because your linebackers have to be able to account for multiple gaps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The Chiefs had Ben Neiman and Damian Wilson, and again Wilson played good, but there's no. They 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 did not have anybody because they're, they're constantly playing big nickel and big dime as well, bringing Daniel Sorensen up to the second level, bringing Teron Matthew up to the second level. Yeah. These guys couldn't fit it, not against the size of the Bucks offensive line and not against the size of, of Leonard Fournette and, and the physicality with which he runs, let alone Ronald Jones, who looked great. We always believe Ronald Jones is a pro Ronald Jones podcast. So <laughs> don't let, let him forget a linebacker. The Chiefs need an a, a impact three-down linebacker. To be able to play big nickel and big dime, you need to have a guy who can account for multiple gaps at your linebacker position. They don't have that right now. I'm not sure it's going to be Willie Gay. Linebacker is the biggest need on defense for me for this team. Certainly on offense, beyond the offensive line, improvements as well. I think that you want to add depth to pass catcher. And I say pass catcher as a bucket term to incorporate both tight end and wide receiver. The Chiefs have only one tight end, on the roster beyond Travis Kelsey in 2021, his name is Sean Colkin. I have no idea who he is or what he does. So they have no ability to go 12, no 13 personnel.
0: Who yes or what he does?
1: <laughs> I've never there's, heard of Sean Culkin there's a very in funny my life. That's
0: just a very funny way to say that.
1: Uh, they have so they have, they have no depth behind Kelsey. And remember, Kelsey lines up uh, about 50 percent of the time in a wide receiver alignment. So if they want to get a tight end onto the formation to Chip. They want to get a tight end in the formation to help block. They want to get a tight end in the formation to use him in the running game. They either have to take Kelsey and bring him in line, which is a key to the defense that they're they're about to do something different because Kelsey usually is lining up as a wide receiver. Or they need to improve at this position. So a second tight end helps them out a lot. It lets Kelsey line up majority of the time as a wide receiver. It helps them be a little bit more disguising ish on what they're doing on offense. And then at wide receiver, Tyreek Hill. Michael Hardman, the two players that they have in place, but Sammy Watkins is an upcoming. And again, the depth behind is uh, Brian Pringle is a free agent, Demarcus Robinson, who's also a free agent, Antonio Callaway. You know what I mean? They they do not have desirable depth. Michael Hardman Sammy does Watkins? not play. Sammy Watkins is a free agent. Free agent, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I Watkins, remember. Demarcus Robinson, and Pringle. Sorry, who are three of their top five receivers? I should say three of their receivers from two to five are all upcoming free agents. Mikko Hartman is unacceptable as a wide receiver, too. He cannot be your second wide receiver. He's not good enough. Hartman is a great ball-in-hand player, but he just is not really developed as a true wide receiver in the league through two years. So you need improvements at wide receiver as well. So you can get a good tight end and then play Kelsey as wide receiver all the time, and that helps. You can get a really good wide receiver and use Kelsey more in line, and that helps. But they need an improvement at pass catcher as well.
0: So let's talk about some exact options. Because I agree with you. I, I definitely agree with your assessment. And, and as you were talking about linebacker there, them needing that sort of an upgrade. You know, you look at Micah Parsons. I, I, Parsons probably ain't dropping to 31. So I, I don't think they're going to get their hands on him. Next linebacker we have in the rankings, Jeremiah owusu And you could talk about it and be like, oh yeah, speed, this is good. But what you just aligned that the Chiefs need at linebacker, that's not Usu Koromoa. Like, you don't want Usu Koromoa having to fit the run a lot, stay in between the tackles. You want to be able to flex him. You want to be able to put him in the nickel as a potential big slot player. And so I don't think that you're wanting that from him either. Next guys on the list, zaven Collins, Nick Bolton. I mean, those, those are probably the, the, the two that you're looking at as realistic-ish targets that could make it to 31 for the Kansas City Chiefs that I think would fill the role you would want them to draft. Do you agree? Yeah, if you're I looking so. at it, if you're looking at it at thirty one, I feel like Collins and Bolton right. are the guys.
1: Right. I, I I'm not entirely sure where the linebacker class ends up, but we've talked about Parsons is a weird one to fit because of the the weird personality leaks that have not really been, you know, like we haven't really seen how that's going to affect his stock yet. And then Ousikornmoa is a safety right like i don't think he solves their problem because they need a player who can be really strong playing into the first level that's where collins and bolton are the better names for me and you can even you can say bolton's a little bit undersized as well which is true but also he plays so freaking physically you know what i mean like he is such a hammer uh so to me i think bolton collins at 31 is top of your board even if Parsons of Usu Coramello is still floating around. Those are the the the, the types of players that I want. I want a stack linebacker who can fit B gap to B gap. And I personally prefer Bolton to Collins for the Chiefs, but I would ma- both make sense for me. Then on the other side,
0: I love the theory that that you've been
1: bounced around with with tight ends for the Kansas City Chiefs. Too. I'm going to write about it tomorrow, long yeah, form. Some people um, people have been like, "Ben, explain this more. It's coming."
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that because the more that you have talked about it, the more that you brought it up on kind of midweek mocks as potential additions for them, the more I love it. And so, look, you know, if, if Pat Fryermuth is there, I think that that's on the table for them as well. Brevin Jordan is not as much. Be- and I think that you're going to explain that a little bit more tomorrow. Am I correct in that assessment? That it's not just like any tight end, it's a certain kind of tight end that would help them for a
1: certain yeah, kind of I'd reason? Yeah, I think, right, yeah. I mean, like, because it is the Chiefs, if they drafted like Brevin Jordan, I wouldn't be like, "That's dumb." i would be like, "Well, it's the Chiefs, and it's Brevin Jordan." Like that's right, right, uh, right. My my personal thing would be, I would want a player who I'm very confident playing in line, so as to free up Kelsey to not have to do that. Uh, and that player is Fryermuth in this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like you get to day two, then it becomes like Hunter Long and Tommy Tremble. Uh, that that'd be the archetype I would go after. That's the one that I'll endorse. But again, if the Chiefs were like we have brevin jordan i bet you well, that's freaking fun <laughs> cool you <laughs> know I, mean, I don't know it's the chiefs you know like and certainly you could say that the it's the chiefs argument doesn't really hold as much because they just only scored nine points mm-hmm. but it also still is just the chiefs and brevin jordan super fast it would be a good time
0: <laughs> everybody is looking
1: For the next great protein bars,
0: you are looking for something to throw into your diet. You are looking, you know, like whether you wake up and you are like, "Man, I am not that hungry," but I know I got to eat right away because I am not gonna have a chance to eat throughout the rest of the day. Or you are about to get a workout in, but you don't have the time to make a full meal. This is where protein bars come in handy. And if you've ever had a built bar protein bar before, you know that it's perfect for all these kinds of situations. They got eighteen amazing flavors. We know you are gonna find one, two, three, maybe a handful that you just absolutely love. But beyond that even, low in calories, low in sugar, while being super high in both protein and fiber. They're great for your diet. They're great for your macros, and they also taste fantastic as well. If you've never had them before, go over to billbar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. It's the same one for, for um, betonline.ag, all caps, one word, Locked On, And you'll get 20% off your next order. So if you haven't tried it, this is a great way to do so because you're going to be able to save a lot of money especially if you're getting a box or two. And if you're looking at a couple different flavors, and you're like, man, I don't really know which flavor I want. I don't know if I can decide between these two. The best part is you don't have to. You can mix and match their boxes. That's how you say that sentence. Use the promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off the best protein bars that are out there over at BuiltBar.com. The Locked On Podcast Network has your Super Bowl recap covered from every angle. We're doing it on this podcast today. But after this, you could also listen to Locked On Today for the Biggest Storylines. You can listen to Peacock and Williamson for the X's and O's over at uh Locked On NFL. You could also, if you're a Chiefs or a Bucks fan, you're looking for in depth local expertise, go to Locked On Chiefs and Locked On Bucks as well. So let's talk about Tampa. Let's talk about an outlook for the Buccaneers, potential repeat. Tom Brady said that he's coming back next year. Bruce Arians said he's coming back. Gronkowski said he's coming. Well, he said he's gonna stay out of retirement. I mean, he's pro I, I c- could not see Rob Gronkowski taking a different job while Tom Brady and Bruce Arians are still there and he
1: just won a Super Bowl. Why would, he- like what, what would be the point? Like what does he have to prove? Like, right. what, like that's this thing. Would, yeah, like, this is the dumbest thing in the world.
0: He said that he's gonna stay unretired and that he's I mean, he's technically a free agent this this offseason, but I, I could never see him playing for a different Imagine
1: team. Gronk just like wearing a Titans jersey, just like <laughs> catching passes from Ryan Tannehill, being like, Oh, it sucks over here. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: No reason for him to do that. There's just no need. The big outlook for the Bucks, though, I think comes down to three players, and we've talked about these guys a lot on the midweek mock. But we can spend a little bit more time on it here. Mm-hmm. Shaq it Barrett, yes, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Pat O'Connor, and. Um, <laughs> Ross uh, Tanner Hudson, who got a target in the end zone in the Super Bowl. I had a tweet loaded up that I just didn't press send on that said, I swear if Tom Brady would have thrown a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl to preseason, God, Tanner Hudson, I would have lost it.
1: Was he but, like a oh, was he the preseason darling for Bucs fans? Uh, what was this?
0: Two years ago, he led the NFL in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns for the preseason for all four games.
1: Yeah, I stand Tanner Hudson. All right, this podcast is a Tanner Hudson fan podcast with all the information I have of him. Please continue. They
0: absolutely loved him in in the preseason. They were just like, he can't block. We can't get him on the field. He can't block, but he's a great receiver. The three guys that I think are going to determine Tampa's offseason draft needs and potential free agency additions, big or small around them, are Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, and Donovan Smith. Shaq Barrett's a free agent. He's coming off getting franchise tagged. Chris Godwin is in the final year of his rookie deal. Both of those guys are unrestricted free agents right now. Then Donovan Smith, still under contract, but he's got no guaranteed money. He just started at left tackle in the Super Bowl for the Super Bowl champion team. The Bucks I think, were hoping that they could get him for a little bit cheaper or renegotiate his contract. I don't know how easy that becomes unless you are then signing him to another extension, moving some of his money around, making him cheaper next year anyways while holding on to him for the next couple of years because he is still relatively young, so if you believe in him, that's great. But I think it really just comes down to a situation with those three guys. The whole time we've talked about them, leading up to the Super Bowl, leading up to the offseason, now here we are, I've really believed that all three of these guys are coming back. I think they're going to bring Shaq Bear back. Shaq Bear was has been asked about this multiple times and he was asked about it last night after the Super Bowl and he's like, "Yeah, we're going to get worked out. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with Tampa Bay." So that makes me think that obviously they're close to a deal that both sides are pretty comfortable with. And when the Mm Bucs are making these deals, when the Bucs are drawing up this deal with Shaq Barrett, they're not just thinking, oh boy, we got to bring back Shaq Barrett. They're thinking, we better not blow this so that we can't also bring back Chris Godwin because you better believe they don't want to lose him. Godwin's going to be unbelievably sought after, though, especially in a wide receiver market that... Well, it has a lot of guys at the top, but I think the Godwin's name is basically going to be either the, the, the top player for most teams or uh, at least in the top three conversation that they're going to want to be able to get him in and talk about numbers and where they see him playing. And so all of that to say, I don't think he gets out of Tampa either. So when I look at this team, when I look at this Tampa ne- team and I think of team needs and the guys that they could lose and where this could get derailed for a potential run next year, I don't know. I, I think all three of those guys are going to be on the team next year. I really do. Here's a,
1: here's right. Here's my thing. All of them deserve to be in the box. F cap space. So why is this even like that much of a conversation?
0: I think. You know, like I don't.
1: Go ahead. I uh, I don't I don't see why you would let Shaq Barrett go. Barrett has been exactly what you signed him for. You franchise tagged him to make sure that he was exactly what you signed him for, right? Because his. Production in 2019 was bananas. You are like, well, it's franchise tag him and make sure they can do this again. And then he did. It obviously wasn't 18 and a half sacks, but it was great. So boom, Barrett's back. You drafted Guywin. Third round. Uh, he's been excellent for you for his entire career. Banged up this season. You added Antonio Brown because, let's be honest, Tom Brady told you to and is an additional weapon. And, and Brown, for everything that he is off field, was valuable to them off field. Now... Brown's free agent. Don't think you need to bring him back, which means you need Chris Godwin. I don't understand why you would let these players walk. You have they have thirty-eight million in cap space projected from over the cap, right? Right. So like, I don't what what to what is their benefit unless they're like letting Godwin walk to side Allen Robinson. Like, what what's the benefit for him going? Like, they don't need to be saving cap space. They're in a winning window, and these guys are. It's not even like you're going to be overpaying for mediocre production yeah godwin and barrett at times have looked like top 10 players of their positions right <laughs> like this is this is to me this is slam dunks i think it's i think it's it, it's slam dunks that you would
0: want to bring them back they have 38 million to play with but you gotta remember if they're locking up jack barrett it's probably around 15 17 million dollars a year they can get comfortable with the cap and mike greenberg has been unbelievable he's their cap guy over in tampa and he's been pretty great at structuring all their contracts to make sure that they're never really at a pinch for money but you know if you figure Shaq Barrett'll probably command somewhere between 15 to 17 million dollars a year Godwin's gonna get somewhere between 17 18 million dollars a year that's close you know what I'm saying like those they have 38 million dollars to spend but if you bring those two guys back then you have players like Antonio Brown or Leonard fournette or these these veterans that they have brought in to fill out the roster that okay, you're probably saying goodbye to them, but are they going to really want to get... Do they want to get rid of Leonard Fournette? I know that they don't have to bring back Antonio Brown, but they might want to. I mean, certainly Arians has talked about the impact that Antonio Brown has had on the team, and so that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Like, that's why I think we're bringing a lot of these things up is because they have the money to to do it right now, but if they do, then there's just not really a lot of flexibility outside of that, and there's a couple of veterans on the team who you could say... They, you know, might want to stay around, but they don't exa- exactly have the money for it. I don't know what Gronkowski's contract is going to look like. We didn't bring up and Sue if he wants to stay around, and that's another name that they got to think about. So they're going to have to make a sacrifice somewhere. I don't think it's going to be with any of those big three guys that get talked about a lot, but I do think that who they fill out the roster with after that will be interesting. And that's where I believe the big draft needs are gonna be. I think that we're gonna see draft needs at either interior defensive line, like a defensive I was gonna say
1: Sue is the one that I think you probably are just like, All right, like, good job. We're gonna like Vita's our guy. Probably and we think that we can we can fill out the rest of this roster. Probably, yes.
0: And you would probably say so about running back too, right? I mean, you would probably say, okay, Leonard Fournette, after having a a better year than he has in the past, after now becoming a Super Bowl champion, is probably going to be able to get more on the open market than Tampa would be comfortable giving him. Do the Bucs really push to bring it back? Is Brady going to want a rookie running back back there with Ronald Jones for a repeat season? Or is he going to want a guy that, is more of a veteran that he trusts, and, and obviously something that worked out with Leonard Fournette. I just don't know what's going to happen with these X factor positions. That's the it's the smaller ones beyond the bigger headlines that I think are going to tell the story for the Buccaneers.
1: How much do we think Fournette's getting on the open market?
0: I I mean I, I don't know I don't know off the top of my right. head. He signed for one oh, year, oh, two million dollars right. this year. I I don't I right. assume that I'll it put would it be to, certainly right.
1: more. I'll put it to you this way. If I were in Leonard Fournette's camp, I would tell him, "Listen, there's no better running game approach in the league for you than this one right here." Right? Everybody in the league wants to be running wide zone nowadays. You can't, I wouldn't tell him you can't do that cuz I work for him. But I'd be like, "That's not the best situation for you because Fournette is not a, you know, foot in the ground one-cut player. He is a zero-cut player. Like this is just just straight line." He tried that a That's couple times exact- in
0: the Super Bowl and it was kind of funny.
1: Yeah. This is, he is a I'll, they want you to be a, a hammer on a straight line here. You're a hammer on a straight line. This is as good as it's gonna get. A. B, you're gonna get to play with extremely high level talented players. You're gonna be able to make playoff runs, whatever, da, 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 da. Three, and this is I think a really interesting one, Fournette did all that work trying to get better uh catching passes at Jacksonville. He's the best pass catcher on this roster. There's a chance the Bucks change that. But he's, like, the predominant pass catching back right now on this team because Ronald Jones does not have hands. God almighty, he doesn't. And I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn's a, a significant receiver as well. So unless the Bucs make a, a big draft pick, you have the ability here to, like, continue to be, quote, unquote, the feature guy. I don't... I you got big money for being drafted for overall. I don't, like, what? Like, you're going to take... Six million from the Cardinals to go run behind a, an offensive line that averages 295 pounds and have, you know, uh, just inside zone everywhere. Like, I don't, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I think that the only way that he continues to have a productive career, not the only way, but the best way that I see is if he stays in Tampa. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to re sign Fournette for like, right, five, six million.
0: But like, five, to six, me, that's five, six million is all of a sudden, you know, three, four million more than they were signing him before. And then you're looking at, I, I I just don't know. Like, are, are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with that because you've got another draft classes coming in? And like I said, if you're bringing Barry right, back my, my and you are bringing like, Godwin back, you got to get tricky with it.
1: Yeah, I would much rather sign Fournette to five million, one year, five million, one year, five point five million escalators for playoff performance, whatever, and not have to feel like I need to draft running back early. That's fair. Such that, such right, such that I can spend those picks on more serious positions. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially with my success drafting running backs in recent years. Like Jason Light, who deserves executive of the year and has been an unbelievable drafter, and the Vita Vea Derwin James issue is finally put to bed, yada, yada, yada. So many good draft picks. The running back ones are bad. (laughs) Like Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. Like, he just hasn't been able to do it, uh, at least from what we've seen. So, to me, that's... That's... uh, uh, I would want to bring back Fournette for the sake of giving me draft flexibility. So I don't feel like I have to add the running back room. That's that's a good point as well. I Look, I
0: don't know how it's going to end It's an interesting offseason. Yeah. Because there are so many different things that you could do with salary cap, but the Bucks are really one of the best in the NFL at doing this. They are one of the best at putting their books in great positions every single year to re-sign the guys that they want to re-sign and go after guys in free agency that they want to go after. I mean, you you look at just a couple of years ago, they were bringing in free agents like Chris Baker and Deshaun Jackson, and like they were trying to hit these big name free agents, and that wasn't that long ago. And yet they were able to move on from that and just kind of continue to hit the ground running, like continue to get better, to continue to have a healthy cap situation, even after their mistakes. So there's so much flexibility that you could do with the cap. Those are probably those are just the names that we've tossed around that the Bucs are going to have to think about. But I think for the most part, this team is going to be exactly the same going into next season, which is dangerous as they are the reigning Super Bowl champions. We're talking about a team that needs to get back on the road to winning to potentially get another championship in the building. We're doing this tomorrow on the Fix Your Team series, the team takeover Tuesdays. It's the New York Giants. We're going to go through the Giants roster. We're going to go through their coaching staff their front office situation, the outlook at quarterback, the outlooks on offense and defense, everything that's going on, the additions that they could possibly make. And then, of course, we're going to end the episode tomorrow with a New York Giants-centric three-round mock. That's all coming tomorrow. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.